0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit provides information on how you can lead a healthy lifestyle. I'm the host, Josie Bidwell. Search for and subscribe to Southern Remedy on any podcasting app to not miss any episode. From MPB Think Radio, you're listening to Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy lotridge Janderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. On Money Talks, our primary mission is to answer your personal finance questions on any topic. But between your phone calls, we like to bring up something of interest, and so today we're going to be talking about credit reports and credit scores. If you choose to send an email to money at mpbonline.org, sometimes we don't get to it on the air, uh, but uh, we always will send you a personal response to any email questions that you send our way. So uh, we always talk about uh, things in the news to start the show. And uh, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder. I hope I'm not. But I heard, I think, some encouraging
2: news on inflation today. Oh, absolutely. And um, so it looks like we did not have price increases on average. Of course, we always have to remind people that's an average number. So your personal experience depends on what you're spending money on. But this was excellent news. And the stock market is responding very positively today.
3: Yeah, interestingly enough, I have not already read the entire CPI report, so I don't. I don't have another. I hear the, devil's in the details. I thought because I thought we were so tired of talking about inflation that I just didn't. I didn't bother to look today. So it's been a. That's exciting. Well,
2: I'm I'm hearing the word disinflation. So Ryder, tell him what that is.
3: Um there's there's several different not inflation words and this is one of the not inflation words. So I don't know a strict definition but it it's it's when we're just not having inflation. So it's not like def- correct me if I'm wrong uh, right. Professor Nancy but um Deflation would be prices are going down. Prices are expected to go down. This is not a good sign because it means there's decreasing demand for goods and it's less incentive. Oh, don't for say people. that
2: too loud. There are people out de- there that might de-
3: decreasing <laughs> decreasing demand for goods and less incentive for businesses to invest and make more products and look and be happy about a prosperous future. Uh, disinflation. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Again, is is it just we just don't not really having inflation. So. This doesn't mean that every price stays the same all the time, but it means in aggregate you're just not seeing your grocery bill go up. You know, maybe your strawberries are more expensive and cantaloupe is cheaper. Maybe your your bread is more expensive and your and your beef is cheaper. I don't I don't know, uh, but but it, in the whole kind of over this time of <coughs> disinflation, if we have a period of disinflation, it would ju- just be just be extremely modest uh, if any uh, pricing and
2: that certainly makes people feel better but you need to understand we're not going back to pre-pandemic prices anytime soon. yeah.
3: And and also, uh, again, I always like to caveat when we talk about inflation, when we say, okay, inflation was 5% last year. Inflation was 2%. It does not mean everything went up lockstep 2%. Gasoline uh, is a big part of, you know, not the core inflation. They strip it out of the core inflation because it's just so volatile. I mean, I Mm -hmm. was, I, I was, out of the studio. Lastly, uh, aside here, I was out of the studio last week, and I heard Meredith on the show. Mm-hmm. She was great. Of course, we're real proud of what she's doing for us in the office, uh, but I had to make sure I got back in the studio to make sure I wasn't getting replaced. <laughs> so I am back, but I was on the road, and I saw, I mean, even just on my drive, and you've mentioned this, I yeah. saw gas prices go from $3 to two fifty. Quite like, a variation. There was... It, d- d- disinflation, disinflation? I don't know. There was a decrease in prices, not just within the stretch of a day's drive. So, so that sort of volatility, that's an extreme change in prices. If, if everything went down by 16%, that would be crazy. Um, but it's not so crazy when it's just one thing and something else is going up. And, and that's, inflation is complicated, and it's also very personal.
2: Uh, Kevin, I I do have a beef right now, okay. which is everywhere. A beef is the
3: price of the beef <laughs> up or
2: down? It is. Up. How does it compare to chicken? <laughs> um. But everywhere I'm looking, I'm seeing Christmas
3: decorations, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking,
2: okay, we haven't gotten through
3: Thanksgiving, and that's we next haven't week. got through our national holiday, Black Friday, Nancy. It's true, or Cyber true. Monday.
1: Well, the, the, the interesting thing to me, the Black Friday is almost a non thing anymore because now everybody's having their sales because of the whole we don't want to force our workers to work on the day after Thanksgiving. I mean, thank goodness. <laughs> and so I think Walmart's having some Black Friday sales, and I've seen several others. So it's well,
2: uh, and. What we're watching um, is going to be the retail numbers that come out of this Christmas. We have heard that they're, the retailers are not hiring as much this time around. Is that because of reduced demand or mm-hmm. is it because we're just shopping differently? Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing this big increase of online shopping or um, going into a store and then going home and putting your orders in online. So maybe there there is not the need for as many... Mm-hmm. Retail positions, even though we will watch what Amazon does as far as yeah. this season. And well, hiring. that's
3: right. You know, buying online or, or as Kevin mentioned, extending your sale. I was just buying some groceries, just making a list online, and I noticed that. Did you check were,
2: it twice?
3: <laughs> I checked it like seven times, Nancy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't miss my food. Um, but there were there were doorbuster sale on on grocery the items in the grocery store. Uh, so. So that was a little interesting, but yeah, if you're extending that sale over a longer period of time and not expecting that rush, so you don't have to have twice the staff in on Black Friday, then you just you you can you can make do with the staff you already have. So maybe that's part of the hiring explanation. Uh, There's been a lot of hiring over the last two years anyway. Maybe that's part of the explanation. Um, We are at very low unemployment, so it's not it's not like a worrisome. Oh no, we didn't do a lot of seasonal hiring last year. We didn't do a lot of seasonal hiring. Uh, either.
2: Well, we are hitting the end of the year and there's some things in our office that we're doing and we Mm -hmm. want to make sure that our listeners are paying attention to this because um, the IRS looks at things as a calendar year. So we need to get those things done before the end of December. So if you have a retirement account and you are 72 or older, you should be taking a required minimum distribution. So that's a calculation. It's going to bump
3: up to (laughs) 73, I believe is the the number this year so yeah
2: so that's that's something that that everyone needs to make sure you you've done that if you don't there's a penalty it was 50 percent but it, i think they maybe bumped down it down to 10
3: percent yeah
2: oh well that does help but it's still a penalty but here
3: but here's the thing <laughs> it's, you shouldn't you shouldn't pay that penalty there's no there's no reason yeah. And there's – I believe if you continue to not – and, and are, there are some good faith allowances if you miss your first one. And, right, and you take right. it in like January. Like the IRS will be like, ah, we're okay, I, don't quote me on that. Um, you have to I fill out think, a piece of paper to get I that. But I think there's some additional penalties as well if you leave it in there uh, without actually just taking it late. So, yeah, the, it's a penalty you should not – just because it's smaller – does not mean it's okay to take.
2: And the other thing that we're doing a lot right now, which is the great fun of our business, is um, helping people as they decide on their charitable gifts. This mm. often happens at the end of the year, and I know MPB <laughs> wants to be on that everybody's list. Um, but helping them make those donations, what is the best way to do that tax-wise, whether it's to use that required minimum distribution or use appreciated stock, uh, we are working on those things.
3: And, and and so if you have uh, You mentioned appreciated stock That would be in just a regular taxable account Not an IRA uh, If you have mutual funds Towards the end of the year They very often will distribute capital gains uh, It's a real good time They'll start doing that in November and December To look and see what their estimated Capital gains distributions are uh, Because sometimes those can be really cumbersome And if you're looking to make a change In your portfolio They can really motivate a good change For instance uh, Years Years uh, ago, I was helping somebody, we noticed an extraordinarily large capital gain distribution. The the capital gain distribution coming was basically the same size as their capital gain if they had just sold the mutual fund outright. So we, and and the fund was, was, it was a good fund, but there were things we could replace it with that were more tax efficient and really, really similar. So before the capital gain arrived, we were able to sell it. Again, same tax consequence, but move it to a more tax-efficient fund to protect them in the long run. Um, That and also just other kind of capital gains, looking at tax loss harvesting. And what is that? Well, it's something that's not available today in the market, but it was available maybe two weeks ago. Tax loss harvesting is when... You can can buy a stock for $100, and it can go up to $120. You have a gain of $20. Now, if it goes down to $80, you have a loss of $20. So if you have things which have a loss in them for whatever reason, maybe the whole market's down, maybe it was just a terrible stock pick. We've all been there, folks. Um, You can sell it, and that locks in that loss, but you can use that loss to offset gains you have in your portfolio. Uh, you can offset gains in your portfolio and reduce that tax there. Or you can use up to $3,000 of capital losses to offset income uh, on, your tax, uh, on your tax form. So you could save yourself maybe so, $1,000. Yeah, so it's, it's worth reviewing uh, these sort of things. This is the sort of process we step into. we got a whole big stack of these tax reports on, uh, actually, Meredith's desk uh, right now. <laughs> so I'm talking about value she's providing right now. Um, it, we're reviewing that and, and, and letting folks know, of course, if there's anything unusual working with their taxpayers, working with their CPAs, just to make sure everyone is super prepared going into next year and next tax season.
1: All right, just a couple of quickies before we go to our first break. I heard on the radio this morning that the uh tur- price of turkey is uh, down, but that the price of canned pumpkin and cranberries is up. So,
2: oh my gosh, are people becoming vegans? What
3: about what about Fresh pumpkin and cranberries. Well, that's uh, that was interesting.
1: I, they didn't say about pumpkin, but they did say that fresh uh, cranberries were much cheaper. So that might mm, be the only – I don't like cranberry go. sauce
3: anyway, so that doesn't bother me. Mm, we, got a, we got a hater in the studio. I don't know so how I feel could, about this. So I mean
2: the turkeys – I know we had a stretch of time where uh, bird flu was an issue. That's true. So it could be that we just have a supply issue more than anything else.
3: So maybe the turkey price is down over, say, last year when poultry was high – but maybe it's not no. down over the past.
1: Well, but it also said longer. that Turkey farmers prepared for this by, so that the, the, Turkey is cheaper, so that's that's the main. So, unit.
2: in other words, they've gotten over the flu, and, and there are a lot more turkeys and they're out there.
1: Big birds, apparently, they're big oh, juicy birds. Okay, big
3: <laughs> juicy turkeys. And then my other one, it
1: really isn't Christmas season until you see the car ad where they rush out and there's a big bow on a BMW or
2: something, because that always gets mm. me. It's like, yeah, who <laughs> doesn't know. give their uh, significant <laughs> yeah. other a B and W at Christmas? Right. I don't know. You're listening to
1: Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org is one way to hear past broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone and listen to all the local MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter Janderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder-Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're looking for your personal finance questions, but today we're also going to be talking about credit reports and credit scores in light of a recent study that found that for one in four consumers – a low credit score is not entirely their fault, but sometimes due to inaccurate information on the report. So that's why we always stress that uh, periodically you need to review that and make sure that the information is accurate. So we got a couple of callers to get to. Richard has been patiently waiting from Gulfport. Good morning, Richard. It's your turn. You're on the air. Go ahead.
0: Thank you. I want to give a friend a cash donation. How
2: can I do that? Uh, without creating
0: a tax liability for them
3: uh, you just you just give it to them that's fine but there's a limit there's a limit um your lifetime limit is around 12 13 million dollars um so try not to go over that um, your annual limit, th- there is a gift. There's a much lower limit we talk about a lot of times. The annual gift tax exclusion is now, I believe, 17000 That may be going up next year. I have not looked at that number recently. Um, so if you give less than 17000 to an individual, you don't even need to report it on your own taxes. Uh, if you give more than that, if you give five times that, that counts as a five-year gift to that person. Uh, you also don't need to report that, but you can't give them anything else for the next five years. Um, and this number is per giver, per givee. So if you have two friends, you can give them both seventeen thousand. If you are a married couple, you can both give one person seventeen thousand, or as many people seventeen thousand as you want. Um, but you actually still have a further limit from that, and that is the that is the estate tax exemption which is a, a a lifetime number of what you can give away before your estate will have taxes. So if, that's why if you give over 17000 in a year or do the five-year gift, um, you will have to report that um, because that, that kind of eats away at what is exempt when you die. And, Richard,
2: understand that there is no tax deduction for this. Uh, you only right. get those tax deductions possibly if it's to a recognized charity, not to an individual.
3: And, and I will say you did mention cash which is great a lot of times we also hear about folks wanting to give um, appreciated stock to to people uh, to friends uh, often friends and family um, I'm helping so on giving some Disney stock as it were as it is uh, to to some uh, family members right now and when you give cash it's just cash this is fine when you give a stock you are giving it at the fair market value so Disney stock up leaves around $90, you are giving $90. So again, that's subject to those limits we discussed earlier. But they receive it at your old cost basis. So if you paid $20 years and years and years ago for Disney, and you were giving it at $90, then you are giving them a $70 capital gain, which is ultimately going to be taxable to them. So you got to think about folks tax brackets. again, we're talking about most of the time, people are giving gifting stock to their children, um, but yeah, that's why I, I do think cash is a superior gift uh, when you're making a financial gift for that reason.
0: And there's no form or anything that either the recipient or the donor needs to complete.
3: Not if it's less than that seventeen thousand.
0: Okay, thank you. That that answered my question.
3: All right, uh, Richard, we appreciate your phone call. Abram Nanny, who is in the
1: control room for us this morning, checked out and says that next year that's going up to $18,000.
2: Yeah, and so this is also the time of year when we have seen a lot of those numbers be adjusted. So uh, what you can put in 401Ks, in 403Bs, um, and even uh, standard deductions have gone up. So look for those changes.
1: You know, when we talk about this, uh, why it's important to maintain a good credit score and to review your credit report, a personal story for me. I'm having some uh, home improvement uh, project done and uh, was going to finance it. And due to my good credit score, I was able to qualify for the lowest possible interest rate. So that's very important. We're so proud of you, Kevin. Well, I, yes, <laughs> absolutely. I did work uh, hard on that. Aren't proud
2: of him, Ryder? Just oh, like, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Wow.
1: But something like this is it's it's a fairly sizable chunk because it's, you know, home improvement and it's going to be paid off over a number of years. And so it really does. I think uh, it, that that extra effort is worth it in the long run. I'm going to be.
2: Well, Your are better rate that you got because of that clean credit score means you're going to pay less for that whole project. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Uh, T is back on the line. Let's see if we can get oh, a better phone no line. Bad. Sorry about that earlier. T. Let's uh, try again.
0: Oh, that's okay. I think it was my earbuds. Uh, okay. my, my, qu- uh my question is, uh, like I said, I love the show, and I learned a lot from y'all. And Thanks. especially, I'm glad y'all picked this. You're welcome. I'm glad y'all picked this uh, topic about credit score, because something happened to me last week with my credit score, okay, about seven years ago, uh, me and my wife was in a, uh, a financial hardship, and I did qualify for the Chapter 7, but I went ahead and didn't do it, and I battled it through and got all my debts paid off, pretty much. And the ones I didn't get paid off, it was a charge off. Well, uh, I had seven. I, I finally could build my credit score back up to a six sixty nine. And uh, last week, I got uh, Capital One Credit Wise, and they said my score changed, and I seven points come off to my score. So I called all my lenders, and I've been on time, not even thirty days past any of my lenders. And then I looked at my uh, Credit Wise report. And a charge-off that I had back in 2017 popped back up on my credit score with TransUnion. And I was just curious, uh, can is that possible to happen?
2: Yes, yes. I mean, a charge-off, even though you can say, well, you know, I'm... Um, I'm free and clear with the with the company that that I took the debt on, but it still is counting against you. That's the problem, and you haven't passed that seven years.
3: D- T, I want to make sure I heard you correctly. Did you say you went from you went down seven points from a six sixty nine? Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, okay, I, I, I will say a seven point fluctuation. I, I mean, we could just have a light breeze, in everybody's. Credit score would change by seven points That that is, that is not a big deal. You might see it fluctuate ten points up next week. It, it just there's so many factors that could be playing on it with the calculation and one common one is just your credit utilization. They can check that at any point during the month, and maybe one day you spent a couple dollars more than the day before, so your credit utilization went up a little bit, so your points came down. Just a little bit. But when you mention something coming back on your credit score that you thought was off of your credit report, well, it
2: may have been there the whole time. Though. May have been. And so my concern, T, is that you're still under seven hundred, and really that's sort of the around that magic number is where you really start to get some breaks yeah. on credit. And and I really think maybe you're just now noticing that that charge off is still there. You can pull a copy of your credit report. I don't know if you've done that. At annualcreditreport.com and see what is still there. But if it's something that's been within that seven years, yeah, it could still be dinging you.
3: So, and and one thing to keep in mind, if that is something that you, you really truly believe should be off your credit score, should have been taken off your credit score uh, in the past uh, already, uh, you you can write to uh, the creditor and the uh, the credit agencies and ask to have that reviewed and removed there is there's a process for that i always refer people to the consumer financial protection bureau for information on how to file uh, complaints and requests for having things removed they've got some form letters there you can write um one very important thing is always documenting having those documents remembering you know what this was for uh When it was removed, what should have happened at the time? You know, having all those documents of your own together, putting that together uh, is important for seeing if you can get that removed, if if that's the case. Because uh, one thing I will say, sometimes people say, "Oh, well, it was a debt that was seven years old. Uh, Shouldn't it roll off after seven years?" Yes, if you paid it, it should roll off. If you have not paid a debt. Uh, it should not, but if it was charged off and and that you consider to no longer owe it, and no, that shouldn't be showing up on your credit uh, report. Uh, at least, at least not for much longer. So I, and I and wish you good luck because we do want to see you with a. We do want to see you above. So I want to say around seven twenty is what we've heard mentioned for mm-hmm. mortgage rates. Important, uh, importantly, it's kind of a where a lot of things hinge at. But uh, everyone looks at something a little differently. But. Really, the higher the better until you're somewhere in the seven hundreds. And then, uh, actually, and one last thing before I let y'all go,
0: I got all the big bills paid off that the debts that were in the thousands. And actually, I forgot about this one. It was a cell phone company that's still around, and the bill, it was only it's only for like a hundred bucks. So I forgot about uh, over $10,000. Thousands, I forgot about a hundred dollar a bill. But I know that like it takes forever just to build credit. I mean points.
2: And I'm like
0: freaked out when seven points got deducted off my score because it take it took me six seven years Mm -hmm. to build that.
1: Uh, T, thanks for the call. And I would say, you know, keep, keep with it. I, I, it's very encouraging and, 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 and it's not easy to do to dig yourself out of that like you've done. So we say the hats off to you. Keep up the good work. Hopefully the, with a minor, you know, uh, seven points, maybe uh, something, if you keep on with the payments on time and that sort of thing, uh, that that'll climb back up. But again, a great success story. Thanks for the call. Thanks for listening and, uh, just keep up the good work.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, have a great great holiday. Thank
1: all you. Right. Thanks. You too. What exactly is a credit score? Who wants to take that one?
2: Well, it's just a calculation and it's uh, based on all the information that's in your credit report, which is the debt you've taken on, how much debt you've taken on, what your importantly what your payment schedule has been like. Um, anytime you are late on payments, that really hurts a lot. And Each company will calculate that score a little differently. They may have different numbers because they may have different information or may be doing it a little differently. But, um, still the two big pieces that are, that go into that. The first is your, um, how you have paid your bills. If you've not paid on time, that is going to hurt you. That takes about a third of the score right there. Another third about is how much debt you have taken on. So those are two big pieces. There are some smaller pieces that add into that, but it's really just an equation that they plug all of this into and outspits a number.
1: Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotcher anderson President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. As promised, we're going to go back to the phone lines and off to Kosciuszko for this call. Benny is on the line. Thanks for calling, Benny. It's your turn, so go ahead
4: to find out if canceling uh, credit cards affect your credit score. I have about eight credit cards uh, which I kind of rotate using so I wanted to cut that down uh, but you know the balances that they allow you to have anywhere between eight and ten thousand uh, so would I in canceling those would that drop my credit score?
2: It could drop it But it's probably going to be temporary, and I would still encourage you to pull that list down. I think for most people, if you just have one good credit card that you can use for personal uses, um, that's plenty because then that total amount hits you in the face every month. Um, So just be aware that part of that calculation of the score is how much credit do you have access to. So when you reduce that access by reducing those cards, that can affect your score, but it probably is going to be a temporary cut there. And then given some time, if you show that you are managing uh, these fewer numbers of cards uh, well, then you'll be fine.
3: Yeah, so just kind of to echo Nancy and take it a step further, there's two main ways I see this impacting your score. One is, yes, your credit score does take into account the number of lines you have open and um, actually, maybe I'm going to say three things. I'm just going to keep talking. Uh, the number of lines you have open and what type of lines there. Okay. Credit cards are revolving credit. So that means you can take out as much. Well, not as much as you want. You can take out whatever you want uh, at any time and you can kind of pay it back at any time. So it is totally. It's not like a mortgage where it's a fixed amount out and a fixed amount in. It is totally self-managed. So managing a credit card well shows up. It's better. It's nice to have that in the mix just because that's a complicated thing to manage. That being said, you don't need eight of them. Um, Juggling eight of them, I'm going to say one from a behavioral standpoint, it's more likely you're going to forget something. I'm sure you're doing a great job with it now, but I certainly don't want to encourage all of our listeners to go take out eight credit cards. We love them, but we love having one or two that you use and you love the rewards for and you can manage super well without having to worry about it. Um, so I don't think that just the closing of a couple of them is going to have a big impact. What might is your credit utilization. Currently, say you have eight cards and each of them, you're allowed to take out $1,000. Your total credit limit is $8,000. You want to keep your credit utilization low. Uh, and I kind of talk about some break points. I'm not sure exactly if these are dramatic break points or I've just made them up over time, but... If you're using half of your credit available, that looks a whole lot better than using all of your credit available. So if you're only using four thousand of eight thousand, that's great. If you're only using say a third of it, say uh, what would that be like twenty five, twenty six hundred, um, then that looks better than using half because again you're using less of what's available to you, so you're being prudent in managing. If you're losing ten percent of Believe that's a threshold where it's kind of like anything under 10%. Nobody really cares. You're doing fantastic managing that. So if you close some cards, you're going to have a lower credit limit because you're going to close four of them. You're only going to have $4,000 of credit available to you. So what you should do, especially if you have any of these cards or with the same company, you can call that company and say, hey, I have this credit card. It's got a $1,000 credit limit. I'm about to close some other credit cards and really focus on using this card as my primary card. Can you raise my credit sco- uh, credit limit in light of that? Because they will ask why you want your credit limit raised. And you have to act like you're good for it, but you don't need it. Because that's how credit works is you have to be good for it, but you can't act like you need it too desperately. So you just say, I'm closing some other cards. I want this to be my primary card. They're going to love the sound of new business. They make money when you use the card. Hopefully that'll be attractive and you can get those other limits raised. So you end up uh, raising your credit limit at the same time as you're closing some of those cards and making life easier to manage. So those are the two or three things that I would, I would address there when you're closing cards. Okay. Well, that sounds
4: good. So actually, I- Probably, I have a couple of platinum cards, so if I just
3: use those two and
2: close mm. everything. And yeah. know, know that you're you're not the record. We had one person call
3: in with 21 cards. Think of how big that wallet is. I mean, that's just inconvenient to carry around at that point. You gotta well, carry, if it's all in your well, phone, you, you got to put you know, them on you a leash. Use a, use a specific card for GameAd,
4: use a card for uh, mm-hmm. uh, trips. use mm-hmm. a card for, you know, that's how I kind of rotate them. Yeah.
3: So. Yeah, I've got mine basically down to two cards. One is groceries and gas because it gives great cash back on those. And one I use for everything else because it gives decent cash back on everything. And there's other great cards out there I know, but I I know that managing the two that I have, that's where I'm at and I don't want to have to think about too much else. And I will also say... Um, If you have some cards that have an annual fee, you might want to close those or move those to a uh, a no fee tier if that's possible. So consider that uh, as well as considering what benefits you're currently getting from those cards.
1: And also, I would always pick the highest interest rate cards to close. Uh, That makes a little bit of sense, too. So, all right, Benny, good call. Thank you for calling in this morning. Uh, Let's stay on the phone lines. Next, we're off to Mickey, Tennessee. Lanny has called in today. It's your turn, Lanny. Go ahead.
0: Yes, sir. Um, what, at what age does the required minimum distribution start on uh, IRAs?
3: It's now 73, but in a few years it's going to move up to age 75. I, I want to say it's in tw- 2030 it moves up to 75, or maybe 2033 it uh, moves up to 75. So right now, uh, 73. At right now, if you were born
2: in 1950 or earlier, you've got to take a required minimum distribution.
3: And you don't have to tell okay, us sir. your age if you don't want to disclose that publicly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, you. Uh, if I turn seventy-two this year, I would not have to.
3: No, no, sir. Okay, thank you very much. All right, uh, Lanny,
1: appreciate that. Abram has been on the spot for us today. It's twenty thirty-two when that's uh, going up, so we oh,
3: appreciate. Wow, I just you. missed that on two counts. Well, he's he's paying attention Abram. and keeping us uh, between I, the. I was worried the white about Meredith
2: replacing me. <laughs> Abram's going to replace. Look at this. I just knew I missed it. <laughs>
1: Uh, Quick question. Earlier, we talked about the penalty. So that's it. You're charged 10 percent of what you should have taken out if you don't. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. But again,
3: it seems like that's kind of what it's there for. So uh, it's such an easily avoided penalty. I I mean, you know, some people just want to pay more taxes. And if you do, that's a great way to do it. And any place where you have that IRA account, they should be reporting
2: that number to you. It should be somewhere on a statement, or you could call them and find out what is that required minimum distribution. It's not calculated until we get to the end of the year. So 1231 of this year, we're going to look at values of accounts, and that will tell us, based on that calculation and lifespan of that person, what they have to take out in 2024.
3: I will say, just because we're talking about required minimum distribution, Distributions. I know we've been talking about traditional IRAs that are your own IRA, deferred IRAs, rollover IRAs, whatever you want to call it. This is different for beneficiary IRAs. I know y'all talked about them last week, but those rules, one, they had a dramatic change in 2020 as to what the rules are. You now have both a time limit to take everything out by and required distributions. But also what we found is a lot of custodians won't calculate that for you just because it is ever so slightly more complicated they've just decided that it's too hard so that's something that you're gonna have to stay on top of it's not complicated you need to know your own date of birth you need to know who you inherited it from what their date of birth and date of death is which if they're dead you should have on the death certificate um and then you do need to do some planning as to how you want to take it out. At some place, you know, working with somebody who, who knows how to do those calculations can help. There are good calculators for that online. You just kind of have to be um, careful uh, about making sure you – the death date is, a, is just more important than it has ever been really because of uh, that defines the cutoff between some old rules and some new rules.
1: And you just have to take it out. You could take it out and put it in a bank account. Am I I right? Right. Mm -hmm. You just
2: have to make sure that it shows Mm -hmm. up as a distribution, which means it is taxable income. And so you have to prepare for that, whether you ask them to withhold some tax for you or you plan to pay the tax that will be due the next tax filing season.
1: We're glad you found our show, Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter Janderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Let's head right to the phones. Make sure we get these two calls in before the end of the show. We'll start in Macomb. Alice has called in today. Good morning, Alice. You're on the air with us. Go ahead.
4: Good morning. I'm going to try to be as fast as I can. Y'all help me understand this. Uh, I got a credit card. I had called in, but I didn't know I was going to get it, but I got it. It's 29.24%. Wow. Pretty high. Yes, I ma'am. don't want
2: any. I ain't used it. I ain't done nothing. So. Um, Alice, then, let me ask you this. Do you have any other credit cards or debit cards?
4: All I have is my bank debit card.
2: Okay. All right. Go ahead.
4: Oh, that that that's too much. So I got the card, but I ain't activated in nothing. So it's mm-hmm. something else they got on here about cash back rewards. What do more programs? I don't want to get into something I don't understand. I don't want the card for nothing. Mm-hmm. But you you know, spend it on what I want and not mm-hmm. get into anything here.
3: Yeah, Alice. This is this is a great question and a great way to illustrate that why we look at credit cards as a tool to use, a tool to help you manage your spending, but not to help you spend more. So, your interest rate is twenty nine point twenty four. So that means if you put if you buy something on the card, and then the end of the month comes and you don't pay that bill, they will charge you twenty nine. That's that is more than two percent interest a month. So you put $100 on it, that is $2 a month they're going to start charging you for that. Rough numbers. If you pay it off, you, you don't owe any interest on there. So if you're only planning on spending, you know, doing your regular spend, your grocery shopping and your bills, things you are already managing well and you know you can pay off at the end of the month, then there's the interest rate just doesn't matter as much. You have to be really Really sure and serious with yourself when you say, "Is this an expense? I know I'm going to pay off." Um, you know, don't use it to spend more money than you would spend in a month normally. Don't use it to say, "Well, look, I can just put this uh, this home improvement. I can put this new uh, new appliance. I can put this expensive trip on it because that means oh, I'll push. I'll pay no only what you can pay on it." And and then that's that's a fine tool for managing your spending because then you'll you'll put your expenses on in a month and you'll just pay that bill at one time when you know you have the money. Very often that works really well when people are paid on a paycheck. Maybe people are paid once a month as their primary income, and it's just managing that cash flow. Um, additionally, we do like credit cards because they provide a level of protection, whereas especially you hear about it at gas stations where you'll put your debit card in and somebody will get your debit card number and take money out of your bank account. When you're doing a credit card, you're spending someone else's money and they're going to go fight for that money back and you are not liable for it.
2: Well, Alice, I think uh, the bottom line here is because you only have a debit card, you don't have another credit card, you did get approved for this. It is very high on that interest rate, almost 30%. Um, then maybe you go ahead and activate it, but you keep it. And one of the suggestions, do you remember this, Kevin? Someone said uh, they put it in a freezer. <laughs> <laughs> so it is is—it is that emergency thing that you can draw on if you need to. Um, if you are purchasing something that you're going to pay in full, but maybe you're purchasing over the phone or online and you need some protection, that's what he's referencing with that being a tool for you. But I'm talking about as long as I pay the 20-day monthly payment no, month. No, no, not the monthly payment. Mm-mm. The whole amount. The as entire long, thing. If you only pay the monthly payment, you're going to be hit with a, a an annual 30%
3: charge on yeah. that. And and so, so what you're looking at there is when you get that statement, when you get that bill, they will have a bunch of different numbers on there. One of those numbers will be the balance. That'll be probably the biggest number on there. And then they'll also have a minimum payment, and they might have an other suggested payment there. Uh, they have been required for several years to put an illustration on there of if, how much you can save when you pay more than the minimum, but I'm just going to go ahead and say, pay the full balance every month. Keep track of your spending, just like you would keep track of your spending if you were spending dollar bills. And make sure that gets paid in full every month. That's all I got.
4: That's why I'm confused on when you paid. If I spend a hundred dollars on something, I have to pay that whole hundred dollars. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, ma'am. ma'am.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely.
4: That's what I want to understand. I got a five hundred. I mean a 405 limit. I just got the card.
2: Okay, well, it it can be used, but I would say only use it in emergencies and keep using your debit card for your basic expenses.
4: Oh, debit card don't have too much on because it
2: goes
4: all to my field. That's why I ain't got much. That's right, I'm yeah. I'm trying to get an extra credit card, kind of like a, Look, save a little emergency and pay the monthly payment thirty dollars well, a month. but
2: if you if you only pay the monthly payment, Alice, that's where you're going to get caught in what I call the credit card ditch, where you're not going to be able to get out because you've got a thirty percent charge on everything that you charged on that account.
1: Yeah, and Alice, one final thing: if you do. Cannot make the full payment, and you make just a partial payment. I would urge you to not put anything else on that card until you pay it all off. That's a good
2: idea, Kevin. Yeah. The the
1: higher the balance, that interest rate is. You can put more and more interest on there. So it's try to be disciplined, and it's a good thing to have. But be be very feel like it's almost made of lava that every time you touch it, your your fingers tingle Uh, or something. That's where you need
2: the freezer.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And and I want to say, Alice, you did mention that your debit card, you don't have a whole lot in your bank account. That that tells me that you don't want to be putting a whole lot on that credit card because, again, you you still need to pay that out, out of your bank. Account. If you swipe $1 on there, you better make sure you have that $1 ready to pay that card immediately.
1: All right, Alice, uh, thanks for your call. Let's see if we can squeeze in this last call. Ferdinand from Clinton has called in. Ferdinand, go ahead. Got about a minute and a half left for us.
0: Good morning. I'll be as quick as possible. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, great program y 'all thank you uh, it 's very informative i uh, My question is about kids under eighteen. can we add them as a as an authorized user on the credit card to start building their uh, on our credit card to start building their credit? How quickly or what 's the age that
3: I can do that? so I believe that you can you uh authorized user rules that may vary from credit card company to credit card company and it may vary how they report it. Uh, some credit cards they may not report onto an authorized user's credit report so that may be something to look for if you are trying to build their credit uh, so check with them on that. Um, also for someone under the age of 18 they may just require something additional maybe an extra bit of paperwork maybe an extra signature saying you know you are the responsible guardian or something but um. Yeah, I would check with the individual card company about uh, who they allow you to put as an authorized user and how they report that on the authorized user's um, report. Also, if you're actually giving them a card, bear in mind that the primary card owner, typically in all cases, is the one responsible for paying the bill. If they run up a bill, you still have to pay it.
1: All right, Ferdinand, thanks for that. that's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks. Our call screener this morning was Charles Arnold. So for Dr. Nancy Lotter Janeterson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks. It's heard
0: only on MPB Think Radio.